Hello, my fellow Brappingtonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheel adventure is the coolest cucumber in this blazing hot inferno, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! Good way to cool down with some cucumber. Uh, speaking of cool, Corey West will be on the show later today. Finally got him in, worked the schedules out. Sorry about that last time. We uh, we just ran out of time. And the had good to, thing uh, with Corey is that he's very patient and super flexible, super easygoing. This guy's a pro, professional. That's that's exactly what it is. When I think of like one word to describe Corey West, it is professional. I think fast, but professional is good. I also think hamburger. I don't know Ooh, why hamburger. I think those are two words. Dirt track because he keeps telling me he wants to show me how to ride around dirt track at the. Texas Tornado Ranch. Dirt Track Hamburger. Ooh, Dirt Track Hamburger. With cheese. And some bacon. Royale. Dirt Track Royale with cheese. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Corey. We're going to talk about this later. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to dive into that topic and more once and he gets more. on the show. Uh, da, 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 da. Tell me what you've been doing on two wheels, sir. You know, honestly, not a whole lot. Just been doing some regular riding. It's freaking hot it's out. It's been hot as hell. <laughs> it takes the fun out of riding the motorcycle. I would rather ride in the rain than this shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I take a little rain right now. I, I'm used I'll to the rain. rain. This is just, in, I mean, it's interesting because we're in the Pacific Northwest, which is known for its temperate climate. And I believe this Saturday we're going to see 104 degrees. Uh, my Yeah, up in Washington, I saw like it was going to be like 109, 110. Ooh. This which, weekend. which is kind of we, we look at the dark sky. because on Sunday is Moto, well, Saturday and Sunday, next Saturday, Sunday is Moto America at the Ridge. It's going to be hot. I'm going to be riding up there. I'm going to be riding up there, not driving, riding. Dark sky right now is saying in Portland, 109. Wait, really? Dark sky had a different story for me earlier. It keeps changing. Damn it, dark maybe, sky. Maybe it's because we're in the southeast and the southeast gets hot. Oh, yeah. Look at that. 109 Saturday, 107 Sunday, 100 Monday. No, thank you. This is not the weather I moved here for. It'll dip to a very cool 90 degrees on next Tuesday. But currently, it's a nice 80 degrees. You know why? It's because Corey West is in town. Corey West is in town. He's keeping it cool like a cucumber. He's bringing the heat. Bringing the the fire. (laughs) Don't. It's going to get hot. Grilling that hamburger. Dang, dude, 109 degrees on Saturday. That's not healthy. That's just silly. Just stay the fuck inside. (laughs) I'm going to have a demo day on Saturday, and I think we're just going to start in the morning and end at like noon. Yeah. Go the fuck home. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Just don't. I'm a, I'm a big fan of motorcycles, if you know me. I'm a big like motorcycle you? guy. You, like I, you should write I, about them. I like them. I like them a lot. Huh. Uh, when it gets this hot, I'm totally fine having a car. Uh-huh. This is uh, the, the tacos outside right now. Yeah. Had some AC action. It's all about that AC action. Mm-hmm. Got the AC going on right now in the in the Brap Talk studio. I am, I am enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting. As I get older, the more I appreciate AC. Like 20-year-old Shaheen would have been like, man the fuck up. Get on that bike. Sweat a little. It's all right. It's good for you. And the thing is, I did that. I did that for years where I didn't have a car. I just motorcycled. Yeah. Rain, shine, doesn't matter. And now it's like, dude, I'm 42. I paid my dues. Fuck off. <laughs> Give <laughs> that me that is, AC. That is a funny thing because I'm right there with you. You know, I did my Southern California days. Oof. Black jacket. Oh, God. Black textile Why is it jacket. so painful to look cool? <laughs> oh my god and you just like lose weight from uh, sweating 
But that's also like the same point in time in my motorcycling career where I was just like 300 miles on the highway on an R1. Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I do that all the time. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. That's totally. What do you mean? It's uncomfortable. We used to ride to like you know, Palm Springs or down to not Tijuana, but just San Diego. Like it was nothing on sport bikes. Now it's like, hey, you want to ride this sport bike? In fact, somebody at the shop was like, hey, do you mind taking this Panigale V4S out? It's our demo. I need some miles. I'm like, nah, I'm good. It's too hot. <laughs> 20 year old Shaheen kicked me in the nuts. Like, yeah. Just had a chance to ride a $28,000 super bike and you said, no, it is too hot. Who the fuck are you? I wonder how much of that is like you kind of get like a little jaded as you get older, or how much of that is like as you mature as a motorcyclist, you start realizing like, Hey, that thing I did, right? There's a better way of doing that. Well, I think probably a combination, right? I think when you're younger, it's easy to be excited about this stuff and say, I'm going to live in it, in it now. And this is it. This is life. This is the best version of what I've done. And then as you get older, you're like, all right, I've been there. I've done that. I sweat it. I sweat it. Is that a thing? I, I, I made sweat. <laughs> I got cold. I got hot. I got rained on. I got fucking sun blistered. And now as a 42 year old who has the option of a car with AC in it, Grab those keys probably when it's 109 degrees on Saturday. I say that, although I'll probably be leading some of those rides on Saturday, so I'll be sweating along. This is why I think uh, lane splitting is such an important bill. Oh, dang it. Because, like, like look, look, today's a great example. I mean, today wasn't super hot, but it was in, it was in mid-80s. The, the bridge to cross to get to you was stopped. Yeah. Ugh. What's, what's the upside? What was the upside for you to come to my house today on your motorcycle versus your car? zero none zero none it, it, i didn't it, get it, here any quicker i didn't i wasn't any cooler exactly there's nothing there was no benefit of getting through downtown portland portland traffic during right. rush hour because right. it because you can't lane split you're stuck in the traffic and and then on top of that you're exposed Legally. on this this vehicle to the elements with your jacket and your helmet and your gloves and your right. pants all on so you're, you're wearing even more clothing than you would normally be no air conditioning it's like, absolutely, you would take a car. I would not fault anyone for being like, no, I'm not going to ride my motorcycle today. No, I'm going to take my car. We've talked about this so many times, right? That's the thing with motorcycles. On, on those perfect, beautiful, like 70-something degree days, you know, people can look at you like, wow, what's your problem? But when it's cold and you're commuting, it sucks. When it's raining and you're commuting, it sucks. When it's hot and you're commuting, it sucks. And if they would allow you to have things like lane splitting and dedicated parking in, in like inner city areas for your motorcycle, it now ups the ante of why should I ride? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in California, that's why people like you and I who lived in California back in the day, that's why we rode all the time because it was so much faster. It was still on a 100 degree LA summer day it was easier for me to hop on the bike and go to where I had to go because I would get there in a third of the time. Right. It's the value added. Right. A big value added. It, it should be mission one for for the AMA, for the MIC, for all the manufacturers, for any of the gear manufacturers, for any dealership. It's a it's a game changer. Like mm-hmm. the number of miles put down per season would go up considerably. Change everything. I get on a rant. I'm I mean, still angry, Kate Brown. I'm still angry. Supposed to be on a rant. You're on a podcast. That's true, right? The safe space for your ah, rants, Jensen. My lawn. It needs to be getting off of. Um, b- 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 did you watch MotoGP this weekend? Did not. Tell me everything. I heard that a certain uh, Spaniard did some good things. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Mark, I mean, Mark Marquez is a fast on a motorcycle again. Again, and he had like a second and a half lead or something. He had a pretty sizable. That's lead. pretty fucking good. He goes. He goes pretty good at Germany. Uh, 
I think you can say he's he's back to his his racing form. Uh, a little bit of a misnomer because he is so good at Germany. He is so much better than other riders at that track. Right. And it is one of those places that can kind of hide some of the deficiencies that the Honda has right now. But still impressive, you know, to come back, especially from from that broken humerus and getting all the all the things together and getting back into to racing shape. Because like, I forget how many laps that race is, but it's twenty eight laps or something like that. That's twenty eight grueling. You laps, know, man. they're like a minute twenty, minute thirty each, like. You're you're on a motorcycle pushing for as hard as you can for 45 minutes. Right. That takes some physical, you know, capability and to, to get back into shape. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Is such a, a an achievement just in its own right. I wonder what his pain levels at, and I really wonder as his psyche as a rider has it changed? Where he's a you know quote unquote safer rider? Is he a more calculated rider? Because the Mark Marquez that we all sort of you know, got to see and maybe fall in love with was a person who seemed to always push the envelope really, really far just to see what that edge looked like. And then he would skirt it constantly to the point where shit would happen once in a while, right? That's the point of this, that level of racing. These, these people are on a next level of being able to feel it and compute it and deal with it. And I always wonder when, when someone like Marquez goes through what they went through, does this make them a quote-unquote more mature rider where they're a little more calculating and maybe have a different idea of risk assessment? No, no. It doesn't seem like it's affected him too much. At I mean, least, it was at least, second and a half faster. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> in the terms of taking risks and stuff, I mean, he's had some crashes already and he's he's obviously been pushing it and had some close calls and, you know, I don't think he's like at 100%, but his 99, his 98% looks pretty dang good. Yeah. What does that say about the other rider? Shame on you. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other thing, right? <laughs> MotoGP without Mark Marquez was pretty good. It was. It was very colorful. You know? There was You never knew who was going to win. It was kind of like... Um, Suzuki had a chance. Suzuki. <laughs> as long as Renz wasn't crashing. <laughs> or, or, or riding his bicycle into a van while on his phone. Um, which is fairly hilarious in a not hilarious sort of way. Uh it reminds me a little bit of like the Jorge Lorenzo races where if he led at that first turn and then got away, he was like, I'll just stop watching yeah. this race. Then this is now a race to watch for like second, third and fourth. Yeah. Place. Like I'm not even, I'm not even interested yeah. anymore because it's just, <laughs> it's just so boring. Like if you really like watching someone do, you know, 30 consecutive perfect laps, which is impressive. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm, 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 it makes in, for I'm, boring TV. Though. It's bad TV. It's not good entertainment. Whereas MotoGP without Mark Marquez was good entertainment. And I think that gets lost sometimes on on the paddock where it's like, at the end of the day, your sole job is to entertain idiots like me. <laughs> that's true. They're you know? entertaining. That's all it is. That's why we watch Na- – well, we don't, but that's why people watch NASCAR. This is why I like the Bagger series. It's entertaining. It's a bunch of dudes is and it? fucking baggers being idiots. Is it? It's amazing, Corey. We're going to talk to Corey about this later. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll ask Corey what the secret sauce is to bagger racing. I'm not sure it's that entertaining. Uh, yeah, it's – uh I don't know. I, I would like to see a bagger race in person. I'll, I'll hold a little judgment until we'll then. Do that. We should go. Next the time ones, there's one nearby, we should go. Yeah. Wait, isn't there going to be one at the Ridge? No. Oh, come on. Yeah, they're killing me. Um, it's, uh, again, I keep coming back to, like, it's one of those things, like, I th- I think it's a novelty. I think it's it's interesting because it's... But isn't all racing a novelty? No, 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 no. Like, no, <clears throat> because we just described it, because MotoGP <laughs> is not a novelty. Like, when you watch MotoGP, especially without Mark Marquez... 
it is good racing. It is lap by lap good racing. You don't know who's going to win. It's close fought. You know, six, seven, eight riders could win that race. Right. Um, you just it's it's a proper entertainment. Whereas the baggers, the races that I've seen, and I'm, I'm would really love to be proven wrong. It's like one rider, maybe two, pull away, and like there's not really any close racing, and you're just kind of watching this huge monstrosity of a machine do something it shouldn't be able to do, which is impressive. But after a while of seeing it do it, that impression fades away and you're left with, well, okay, so what racing was there? There wasn't really any, I wasn't really watching this for the racing. I wasn't really watching this for, you know, who's going to come in first. Is it going to be the Harley or the Indian? If it's going to be, <laughs> you know, rider X, Y, or Z, I'm just watching it because it's like watching an elephant on a tightrope. You know, it's just like this crazy thing. Which is entertaining. Which it is what I watch the whole thing for. But you get bored of that eventually. Because like eventually, like after like the second or third race of watching baggers go around the track, you're like, okay, well, I've seen that happen before, so <laughs> give me the next thing. You're like a junkie. Like, you know, I give think me if my there next was hit. more baggers on the track, it'd be a lot more fun. There's, there's typically not as many motorcycles that I'd like to see on that track. I need it to be more NASCAR, like where there's just more chance for drama. Sure. But th- th- I mean, you're not going to get 30 baggers on the track because they cost a ridiculous amount of money. And, and then even then, like the problem you have there is like, there's a pretty wide discrepancy of performance between these machines. That is true. You know? So it's like, I'm trying to think of like a more reasonable example. It'd be like your local, like 1000 CC superbike race where you probably have some pro level riders at the front and you probably have some total squid bait guys at the back. Mm-hmm. And there could be like a 30 second Delta between their lap times. So you're <laughs> like, is that, a, is that fun watching those? Those type of people battle each other. There is no battle. It's like guy getting lapped. Right. Unless there's like four or five people at the front all fighting for the the win, it's not really that entertaining of a race. So the Bagger series doesn't have any sort of standard of power and weight. Honestly, I I don't know that much about it. Uh, but in terms of the technical regulations, I know from watching it, there are there is a discrepancy between the machines. You have some factory Harleys, you have some factory Indians, and you have some privateer teams. And the costs between those bikes are two, three X. That's a lot. And when you're talking about like kind of getting into that, that race is a forty, fifty thousand dollar proposal and you have hundred thousand dollar bikes on the grid. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no real equity there. It's just tough. I mean, like that's, that's the thing. Like if it was like a spec series, which no one manufacturer would agree to. But that's why spec series are actually fun to watch because everyone's on roughly the same machine. So the performance gaps are really close. Mm-hmm. And then, it, yeah, it does become like eight riders wide going into turn one. Like that's why Moto 3 and Moto 2 are actually fairly entertaining re- series to watch because there's not a lot between the riders. And, and skill level accounts for a lot of the changes or the differences that you see. So there is a little bit more of a like, well, who's going to be the best person on the day? Who's going to fight for that podium? I mean, sometimes there's one runaway races, but more often than not, we're seeing pretty epically yeah. close battles. I agree. So. Hmm. I still like it. Okay. Novelty and all. You're entitled to it. We can disagree <laughs> on this. It's okay. It's all right. We can still be friends. I just like, I, I like variety, Jensen, and that's a new variety. I like that it exists. I mean, there's an idea there. I, I worry that it's it's kind of like a money grab. Like, I know there's a lot of money pushing this. There's a lot of money in the aftermarket side of the cruiser segment. Think about it, right? We've talked about this on the podcast. Oh, God, yeah. How much does Harley-Davidson, and now let's put Indian into that, how much does this cruiser category account for in 
the total motorcycle sales in the United States, and it's substantial. And then think about the aftermarket side of that, which is equally substantial, if not more so. I, I bet cost per bike, cruisers, cruiser riders spend more than Ninja 250 riders for sure. But like I was thinking like even Panigale riders. Uh, yeah, I wonder what that average looks like. But just for, by the merits of there being more cruiser sales per year than other styles, there's probably so much more money going yeah. into aftermarket than you know, yeah. all those other styles combined. So it's easy it's easy to see the economic forces that are driving this and being like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to spur some sales here mm-hmm. and show off these bikes and we'll do this racing thing and that'll, that'll, everyone will watch it because it's so crazy. But if it's not a good racing product at the end of the day, I don't know if it matters. I guess that's my only worry. Yeah, I would, I would hope maybe that all this money grab will you know, be reinvested in helping grow the racing series because then if there's more happening and it's more regulated, then the people like yourself might go, okay, now it's worth maybe talking about. Well, it's interesting. Uh, it just occurred to me because we're going to have Corey soon and, you know, he was texting us the other day. Actually, I think it was right before we were starting the recording for the last oh, show. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, he was going to be at the Bagger Racing League race and not at the moto america race in in shelton uh, up in washington be i would assume what he didn't say was because of money because there's more money to be made in bagger racing than there is in moto america and i've heard the same thing from jd beach and it was like a season or two ago and he was focusing more on his flat track racing than he was his road racing because, quite simply, the, there was more purse money for him to make in flat track than there was in road racing. So I can I can get that side of it where it's like, well, you know, you follow the money and that's where the racing is. And you know, we just talked about the size of like the sport bike market versus the cruiser market. I right. mean, like it's got to be two or three to one, two to one or three to one, you know, comparatively. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't fault someone for that. You know, you're going to, you got to make a buck at the end of the day. Yeah. But. Pay those bills, man. got to pay those skrills. But it's not, I mean, you and I both know that it's not cheap to race. So if someone's going to pay you more to show up, I'd be with Corey. I'd be over there hopping on a Harley or whatever he's riding. And are there other brands going into this? I mean, you know, like Yamaha's got some baggers and. No, because the the way I do know that the rules require me uh, American uh, V-twin. God, I can't even imagine the. You know the the kind of hardware it takes to make this thing stop and go. No, I mean you look at that front end, right? We're we're on we're on this Ginger's Instagram account right now. At least I am, and uh, I mean that front end is there's got to be like ten grand in that at least. And that's <laughs> not even like the craziest front end that I've seen. Like no, you've it's seen not. some of these bikes with like the World Superbike Olin's FGR forks, and you're just like, it's <laughs> like a forty fifty thousand dollar front end you got on that bike. Got that SC Projects all titanium exhaust on that thing. Doing the what, 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 what? I mean, look at that. I mean, it's it's impressive, like yeah. in the sense of like you really polished a turd into like just like I a, mean, talk about a diamond mirror. in the rough. Holy yeah. moly! But I mean, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's all right. Have you been doing anything on two wheels lately? Uh, I rode the Africa Twins to the airport. Like a dream. Like a dream? The bike's just great. 
That's a, I mean, you you are. I'm. It's been fun watching you fall in love with that bike. It's a great bike. It's not a bike I ever envisioned you on. That's the thing. No. I would still. Would you still take the KTM 1290S versus this? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, probably just because the KTM. Well, I guess that 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 necessitates a couple qualifiers. Paying my money and and what spec for which bike. Um, because you can price that KTM out to like, you know, 23, 24 yeah. grand. I can pick up a Africa Twin 1100 for as low as 14. Um, the one that you have downstairs, the one that I have is downstairs. The fully loaded one. The fully loaded one. And it's a little, it's a little too loaded for me in some, oh, really? in some respects. Too many buttons. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on that I'm like, I don't know if I would really pay for this or not, but I don't think you have the option of really divvying it up too much. I like the DCT. That's the thing that gets me. You actually like the DCT. The more and more I ride it, the more and more I like the DCT. Huh. Which is a bizarre thing. It's super bizarre. That's a great example of like, oh, I got proven wrong. What's your favorite thing about the DCT? It's just easy. The fun thing is like get on other bikes. Like I like I borrow the hyper from you, right? Like, and I'm like, uh, I'm like why, am I, why am I shifting and clutching like a soccer? This is stupid. Why are I? Why this can't is so I 2020. Just, yeah, why can't I just roll the throttle? And it was like the the first stoplight or stop sign I got to, and I had to like feather the clutch and apply some gas and go there i go and i was like huh i haven't done that in a while <laughs> that's a silly thing to do <laughs> which is i mean you know it comes back to you almost instantaneously but it it does there's like a little switch in your brain that goes off like yep guess what you haven't been doing in a while that's a thing you got to do again um i could see that being a thing because like the my multi has the quick shift on it mm-hmm. and then the aprilia is you know an old 17 year old bike and as soon as you go from one to the other, you're like, uh, oh, yeah. I yeah. Constantly you you kind of have to like remember, like, oh, yeah, remember how you had to like rev match <laughs> stupid bikes without slipper clutches? This is this is why I can't have a bike with GP shift and one with regular. Either all of them have to be GP shift or all of them are regular. It'll so, fuck you up a little bit. Uh, the upside, the one that will really fuck you up is if you do GP shift on the street. Yeah. that that's That's like next level zen master buddha shit if you're gonna do that i bet you there are plenty of listeners who do it or at least used to do it if all your bikes are like that that's fine but if you have one bike that's like that and one bike that's not that i don't understand how you do that because i can go i'd have to have a sticker on the tank to remind me (laughs) yeah right (laughs) when i get on the racetrack it's an easier thing for me to go in between because the muscle memory is this corner this much breaks shift down two gears lean in here we go right that's a part of it is like where i'm how i'm shifting the lever and where i'm shifting the lever is a part of the muscle memory that i'm building whereas on the street it's like a instinctual thing and like so like my instinct is still like street shift right but my race track is is up down left right left right ba select start <laughs> whoa i didn't know you knew that combo <laughs> contra fans anyone anyone contra um so yeah, it's a weird, it's weird thing, but like, yeah, I used to have um, GP shift on some of my street bikes and it would kind of fuck you up a little bit. Uh, but I think the thing with the DCT that I like the most, I mean, it's just easy. I, I still kind of struggle with Yamaha or Honda's settings. Who I'm going to get an angry letter about that. Ooh, you are. Angry letter about that. Oh, man. Honda's settings, I think need some, need some work. Uh, I'm available, guys. Give me a call. <laughs> what What do you mean? Like, what would you? Are you just? Are we still talking about the DCT? The DCT. Okay. Uh, the DCT shift points are is it programmable for like say touring versus sport. So there's like D mode, which is just like 
drive. Okay. And then there's S mode, which is sport. And then there's three levels of S. Oh. I ride in the sportiest S mode. And that is the closest thing that I've, that that bike can do. That is to what I would consider normal motorcyclist behavior. Mm. Whereas like an example would be in D mode, when you're traveling at 35 miles an hour, the DCT will put you in sixth gear. Right. And you're like, why? Like the bike literally sounds like it's about to stall. Yeah. And you're like, why? Why would you do this? Like, yeah, you're right. Economy. And I, I guess if, that should be an available option. But why is it like the default? Why is it the main option? Like there should be, that should be like the, the, like the zero out of 10 option. And like, you should start at five, (laughs) you know, or call that like negative three. And there's a zero and it goes up to three and there's like six or seven of them. It's just like, that's such a ludicrous place to start from. And you don't really get to a normal point until you're at the maximum sportiness. And in reality, I probably want like two or three levels beyond it in sportiness. Not fair. It's it's an adventure tour and how sporty do you want to get it? Right. But to your point about like, would I rather have the KTM 1290 or the Africa Twin? The reason I would go with the KTM is like, because I want an adventure bike that that can perform like a sport bike. You know, I want I want that 150 horsepower versus the what is the Africa Twin? I think 110. 110. I it's want got lots that. of torque. I mean, it's got usable torque at lower speed. You know, street. Uh, like you know, if you go to your favorite twisties on it, absolutely. And that's one of the things where I think the the spec sheet's a bit of a misnomer. Right. Like it's really easy to look at the KTM and be like 150 horsepower, 155, 160. I can't even remember how much it is now. You're like, whoa, that's what I want. That's rad. And you're like, well, get on that Africa Twin because it probably surprise you on how much torque it delivers and how its power band works and like it it, that's why i say like i like it a lot because it is an enjoyable bike to ride at speed when you're getting on the gas it feels good would i rather have it in a 19 than a 21 would i rather have it in a 17 like what i I don't understand is why honda doesn't have a version of that with just 17s on it or at least 19 yeah or yeah well some 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 kind of because that something 1290s is the 19 version of the 12 the r which is the 21 inch you've got this basic thing and you could just make very minor tweaks right. and have other things that i think would siphon other buyers into the brand that's true um does the dct have a manual only mode where you can just shift it yeah and it but it's it's uh finger switches unless huh. you buy the accessory that makes that make that gives you a foot shifter oh which is pretty cool yeah um i was kind of hoping actually that they would put that on there for the bike for me but i just really wonder what that feels like when you're off-road with it is it constantly upshifting on you can you make it hold gears for you the off-road is a little bit better and that's why i actually like i like the dct i'm one of those people that likes the dct in the off-road and i and i hear hardcore riders that are like oh i wouldn't want that on the off-road because i want the clutch and blah 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 like i get that if you're a good enough rider that you can take a 600 pound adventure touring bike and clutch it over tree stumps and you're going to be doing like rock crawls and that is not, you your know, bike. you know, like serious, like Ersberg rodeo style ridings. <laughs> like, first of all, yeah, fucking slow clap. Fucking a cotton. <laughs> you're, you're a better rider than you're I am. And those riders exist. You know, I, I've, I've ridden with riders like that. Those guys exist and I totally get it. I'm like, fair play to you personally i'm never gonna take i'm never ever going to take never in my life will i ever take a 600 pound adventure bike down routes that i would normally only want to be on like a proper dirt bike with right you know just like oh it can only go down gravel rolls you're like yeah that's pretty much the only place i want to take this bike Uh 
some light off-roading, some easy single tracks, maybe. BDR riding. Yeah, I'm not going to go do crazy gnar-gnar, fall into a cliff and die riding on a 600-pound adventure bike. I'm probably going to take a 250-pound dirt bike if I do it at all. Mm-hmm. So for that kind of riding, for that kind of riding that I'm going to do, I love the DCT because I just I just stick it in the the sport mode and I just point the front wheel where I want to go. And I twist the throttle and I go, okay, all right, Honda engineer, figure it out. <laughs> get me up that <laughs> Send fucking, <the> memo. <laughs> yeah, get me up that fucking hill. And we did that press launch in, uh, Moab. We did it with the 1000 CC, the previous version, pretty much the same deal though. And we took that bike on routes that I would never choose to go on by myself or, or with friends. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Well, this is Honda told me to go down that route. The bike gets put put into a cliff. That's that's on them. Mm-hmm. Good good fucking luck, guys. And and it. Uh, and, it, and it did it really well. And we did some climbs and we did some technical stuff that I'm like I would never do. I would never attempt this on my own. I would never attempt this with a press bike, my own personal bike. This is beyond what I would do because it's it's outside the my skill level and my comfort level right. of that. Like I can continue my trip, but like that that sounds like you're you're egging me on to go do it. Yeah, okay. And it does it. So that's impressive to me. And the elect the electronics and the DCT and the the throttle mappings and the traction control they do the job really well so I, I have no fault with it off road. You can see why there are so many of these at you know adventure bike rallies. Oh, totally. It's I mean it's the Honda Africa Twin show, also BMWs, but this thing costs essentially ten grand less than its R slash R twelve fifty GS type thing. Sure. And and understand too with that. Sorry to interrupt you, but understand too with that DCT. It's a lot like putting a um, oh, what's the brand? A recluse clutch in. You know, you you, talk, you hear like riders like, oh, the recluse, the recluse is like cheating. You're like, yeah, the DCT is like cheating too. Mm-hmm. It makes me a better rider than yep. I actually am because I don't have to worry about shifting. I don't have to compromise my my leg positions to try and like get my fucking dirt bike boot under that shifter while I'm like voiding a baby head rock and doing all that bullshit. I just point that front tire where I want to go and. <laughs> Give it the gas ruskies. What's your Jensen score on that bike? I don't know. What's define what the uh, 100 bike is? I mean, under, understand like you've asked me this a few times. Understand when you ask me the Jensen score, it takes three bikes to to make that score oh. worthwhile. Well, I mean, what are the bikes that really fit in that price range and category? I'm, I'm thinking because you and I have talked about the Africa Twin being essentially a middleweight, the way it's priced and the way it's spec'd right. out, right? But it's not. It's an 1,100cc bike. It's weird. You know, and like, I think I think reasonable minds can have that debate and be and both be right. Right. But in, I mean, in that engine size range, you've got it, you've got the BMW, you've got the KTM, mm-hmm. you've got, dare I say, actually the Multistrada V4 because that mm-hmm. is an 1,150, what, 7cc motor. Mm-hmm. So like, they're all there. And the Africa Twin is a bargoon compared to the rest of these things. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to answer your question... So it takes three bikes. It takes it takes the bike that's the hundred. Mm-hmm. It takes a random other bike that's scored, and then the third bike is the bike you're evaluating because you need to be able to quantify that number on the scale. Because if I if I just told you it's a hundred and twenty three, right, makes no sense. Is that is that good? Right. Is that bad? So like, what's your hundred? Because to me, the twelve ninety S is your hundred. I feel like from previous conversations. So understand that the hundred is like the benchmark bike, right? I feel like in that category, the benchmark bike has to be, well, if we had started this 
like a few years ago, I would say the R1200 GS. And now it's the R1250. Right. Um, so to that end, I would say probably the R1200 GS is the 100 because okay. that kind of like makes things make sense a little bit better. The R1250 GS is probably like 102, 103. Uh, a bike like the KTM 1290, I think, is substantially better. I'd probably say it's like 106, 107. Okay. Where's the Africa Twin fall on that? Uh, I don't know because it's tough. The The price is, like you said, the price is a bargain. Uh, it's down on power, but not really if you ride it. It doesn't feel like it is. Let's say the KTM, let's say the KTM's like a 107. Okay. I'd probably give the, the Multistrada V4 108. I'd probably give the Africa Twin a 106. That's pretty healthy. And, and the, it's the price that gets it there. It loses out on the on the motor side of it because and understand too, my scale is going to be a street focused rider. Right. You know, I think that scale. I think you probably have a different scale. Probably keep the R twelve hundred GS as your one hundred, your reference. But if you would switch that to like dirt focused riders, I would probably change that all the way around. I would probably put the Africa Twin at you know a one ten to the KTM's like one oh eight. And then the Multistrada V4, like a 107, 106, because how they handle that dual sport flip of the coin is very different. And, and how your priority, how you prioritize the off-road versus on-road characteristics is, is a pretty big deal. See, to me, I think KTM is one of the few brands that's sort of figured out that segment really well and that they've divided it up into the S and the R. Yeah. Where you can have a 19-inch right. and a 21-inch version. So if you are a more dirt-focused person who wants to have an adventure touring bike, you get the R. Right. But if you are a more street-focused Jensen-type rider and you still want that more or less that same experience, you go for the S and have better street uh, performance. And that's probably the better conversation is how does this bike stack up against the KTM 1290R? Which one right. would I pick? And I think i take the Africa Twin because whatever the motor is that the 1290 gives me, I come back and just be like ten grand. And also, do when I, you're off, do the, I want when you're off the beaten path, that extra power. This is, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm not missing a ton no. on the road, and I'm getting a lot more bang for my buck. There's there's not ten thousand dollars worth of value. I'm probably is that, it that much of it's a probably difference? Not between, that much of a difference. It's probably I think it's closer to like five or six, but still, that's a delta there. Well, I will get an angry email from KTM if I don't look that up. So. <laughs> Keep thinking that's like an eighteen nine ninety five bike, twelve ninety R adventure. It's like twenty or something, isn't it? Huh. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Right, eighteen six, eighteen six, okay. eighteen six. But understand that it doesn't come with the bags. And yeah, stuff. that's just a bare bones bike. So let's call it twenty. Twenty. Okay, so that's that's actually not too bad. That's three four thousand dollar Delta. Maybe that gets these bikes a little closer. I'm still going Africa Twin because you're still saving a ton of money. Yep, that's still a lot of money, and I'm not gonna miss it as much on the KTM. But the Africa Twin that's in your garage right now, for the price, it comes with the bags. That's what I'm saying. And all the stuff. Basically. So, like, you take that that bike, which is 17.5, 17.4, mm-hmm. something like that, and you you kit out this KTM comparably, you're looking at four or $5,000 Delta. Yeah. Ish. Ish. You may, may or may not have, like, dealer install it. Can't, can't just... Not include the installation cost. Oh, I mean, that's that's part of reality. Um, so it's either your time or the dealer's time. Value that as you will. 
And then if you start looking at like lower specs on the Africa Twin, there really isn't anything else in that realm, in that engine size realm. Now, if you want to go 21 inch strictly, sure, there is the, you know, the F850 and the uh, Tiger 900. Mm-hmm. But now you're going into the middleweight class. Yeah, and that starts getting into that debate of like, yeah. where are you going to put it? Because <laughs> now the price makes more sense because the Tiger and the BMW F850, those are in the, you know, fifteen to $17,000 range. Okay, now we're a little more closely. But then you can bring in the K- KTM 890R. Right. Right? And that, that for me is is the bike to have in that category. I don't know what the reference would be in that category. Middleweight. Middleweight adventure bike. What would be like? You make the reference price wise or power wise or engine size. I just think of like like (laughs) I think of it in terms of like what's the stalwart of that of that segment. What's the bike that you would say? uh, This is actually something I wanted to talk about later in the show. But like if you're buying a middleweight twin, what's the reference point? Has to be a Suzuki SV650. That's the benchmark. That's the bike that has ruled the roost. That defines that category. It's been in it since 1999. Basically, It's, it's the gatekeeper to winning the. Winning the title of king of middleweight twins. you got to beat the SV650. So what is that in the middleweight adventure bike category? I don't know. That's a weird category that hasn't been around for very long. No, it's pretty fresh to us. Is it an F800, F850 GS? Well, I mean, the Tiger 800 has been around for a while. Tiger 800. Which is now the 900. Uh, V-Strom 650. It's been around for a while. Yeah, you're right. It has. It's been around for a while. Is that? But it hasn't really lit sails on fire. No. So like that that I mean we could probably have a whole debate about that, um, but in that category, I mean like I think now the reference and maybe this is this is the conversation. I think now the reference is the KTM 790 Adventure, which has been replaced by the 890, mm-hmm. and it's up to everyone else to to beat that. And you know we're seeing we're seeing brands come at it in different ways. We're seeing Yamaha come at it and be like, okay, here's the value bike, here's a Tenere 700. Right. We're seeing kind of. Uh, Honda be like, okay, well, here's our Africa Twin. It's priced pretty similarly, has similar motor. specs, a right. lot more motor, a lot more torque. Interesting. Okay, think about it. Tiger or Triumph is kind of playing around with its Tigers, but I wouldn't say they've moved the the ball very far with that. But and then you have Aprilia coming along with the Turek 660, which could potentially could really fuck up some shit. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if that's priced closer to what the T7 is, but offer you know, electronics that are more in line with say what triumph has, has been offering or what Honda has been offering. Where's the V strom and all this? I don't know. The V strom is sort of, it's interesting because it has its own little cult following of people who want to pay the minimum amount to have the experience. This is, I had like a whole, this is like a whole Suzuki show that I had lined up for us today. You know, like we've talked about that before where, where Suzuki is, is kind of like this, value brand now and i think that's a great way of like thinking about them of like pretty good bikes for the dollar and i was just trying to like try to do this sly like v-strom starts at just under nine grand but the v-strom 650 didn't have like crazy off-road ability it came with cast wheels it didn't it was sort of the the bargain bike for yeah it's 93 until you get into the wire spokes and then like you're not really getting into it until like 10.5 with bags and and more suspension. Well, I guess suspension is the same. Yeah. yeah frankly, tough. in all these conversations, the V Stroms tend to be sort of like pushed out. Everybody's more interested in talking about Triumph, KTM, BMW, because the European adventure touring bike is somehow become the benchmark for what you should expect or what you should go after. And Honda, 
I think by saying, hey, here's a larger engine and a 21-inch, 18-inch wheel combo that will allow you to go real off-roading is a real option for not a lot of money. Because that first iteration of the Africa Twin was just barely 13 grand. And it was a lot of bike for that price. Yeah. And so for people that were, you know, at, at the time, everybody thought, well, your only option is a BMW. And Honda said, no, we got this thing right here for a lot less money that can do all this stuff. And then they've slowly but surely refined it into a much more interesting bike. But it's it's funny, like you said, if you're going to have this conversation about the differences between, between these bikes, there's a lot of questions you have to ask. You know, the, your, your qualifiers are off-road or on-road, Japanese or European. Engine size matter to you? So are we going to keep it like under a thousand, over a thousand? Is the horsepower thing to you? Are we looking at, you know, things like cruise control or are those things we're looking at afterwards? Because then suddenly you realize this, the spreadsheet is really big and it's mm-hmm. severely varied. There's, um, this is why like, I think, I mean, this is probably why ADV riders such like a huge forum. And I think this is why you see in the comments on sites like mine and others, like such a debate every time there's an adventure bike because what an adventure bike is and mm-hmm. you can't see the air quotes that I'm doing like define adventure for me Shaheen define right. that word right. what does that mean to you and your definition is probably not the same as mine probably not and that's like when you get into this category it's like well, what do you want your bike to do because like I hear the people that complain oh you're only gonna go down the gravel roads you're only gonna take it to Starbucks and you're like so what you do that with anything you can maybe that's all you want to do with it. Not everyone wants to do single track gnarly nar nar that you probably would only do on your two stroke stupid dirt bike. Adventure is defined. No, adventure was defined by you and McGregor <laughs> <laughs> on a BMW going the long way around or a long wow. way down. That became sort of like the definition, quote unquote, of adventure because it was like, oh, I can now go with my best friend on a motorcycle and travel countries. But again, like, what does that mean to you? Because that can mean like, hey, I'm going to take this gravel road up to like base right. camp at Mount Everest. Right. And like, you need a fairly, you don't need like a, a dirt bike to do that, but you probably would enjoy something with longer suspension travel. Mm-hmm. Or you can see like some of the people that are just like, yeah, hey, I'm just, I'm just driving around the world, but I'm on highways mm-hmm. and I'm just seeing things. I'm just seeing sights. Like, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about that we're like, now we're like, I'm just throwing the whole outline out. We're done. <laughs> Fuck it. It's, it's delete. It's, yeah. Acapella now, buddy. <laughs> um, but we, we saw the Suzuki GSX S 1000 come out. Right. And there is this touring model version that, that has been spotted in, um, European government homologation documents. And, you know, I think of that bike. I think when we see that bike, it'll be a Suzuki version of the KTM 1290 Super Duke GT. Right. A a which we've always said is a great idea. Great idea. A lightweight Actually, touring, you know, adventure touring style bike. I have a podcasting boner for what that bike could be, mm-hmm. and it got me thinking because I'm working on this this story f- about the Hayabusa. Because, like, you know, we've talked about the Hayabusa before, but there's this issue of what sport touring used to me and used to mean and why that's that has kind of gone away and why adventure bikes have kind of replaced it and what sport touring is coming into like like sport touring 2.0 is the super duke gt is this gsx 1000 t it is this this comfortable street fighter maybe more fairing bike with sport bike with with panniers basically but more comfortable whereas it used to be literally like Here's your Jixer with with like slightly taller bars. Well, I mean, honestly, a sport touring, and again, there used to be different variations of it because it was like 
at one end you had the Goldwing, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you had these these Goldwing lights. I call them. You know, your FJR thirteen hundreds and Concourse fourteens. Uh, what was the Triumph? Triumph trophy. trophy. That's yeah. it. So these big bikes, these exactly. really big bikes. The Triumph Trophy, and remember the BMW RT, which right. whatever iteration you know, you want to, how far back you want to go with that. The BMW R twelve hundred R twelve fifty RT is considered a sport tour by the huh? traditional definition. Right. Look at that bike and be like, sport tour, huh? That 800, <laughs> 700 pound, whatever nonsense. That's there's nothing sporty about it. That is a touring bike by today's standards. That's the thing. That's what it should be. There should be, you know, like sort of grand touring, touring, <laughs> yeah, and then sport yeah, touring, yeah, and then adventure touring, yeah, right. So you you have all these different because those big touring bikes, the FJRs and the Concourses, they're still around, but nobody really talks. They're 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 old now. They're heavy, yeah. Because now you can hop on something like this GSX touring bike and have a bike that weighs two hundred plus pounds less and makes the same kind of power, same level of comfort, and. I was about to say comfort, but I may have to take that back because I've ridden things like the Concourse and the FJR and the, and the Gold Wings. And the thing about those bikes that a lot of the people that love are the thing that I hate about them. There's just no wind noise. There's there's nothing. You're in a car. You're in a two two wheel car. That's just the yeah. the the I don't know the paramount definition of luxury and comfort. We we made the joke. You know, the Honda Goldwing is the best selling trim level of the Honda Accord. Hundred percent. Best bang for the buck, really. So, and that's really what it's come down to. I think. I think at some point, and I will still give credit or blame to you and McGregor, in that suddenly, you know, touring became this idea that you don't have to stay on paved roads. I mean, by definition, as you put it, adventure could be anything. Your right. idea of adventure could be just driving from here to a, a town, to you know, two hours away to grab a pizza that you love. That's your adventure, right? <clears throat> The idea, this idea of adventure being off the beaten path, go places that you couldn't go with other things. And it's the whole thing that like we kind of watched it happen through the 90s and early 2000s with the SUVs, Mm -hmm. sport utility vehicle. Fuck off. Where's the sport in these things? Until very recently where you're seeing like sports car handling in some of these utility vehicles, there's no real sport to it. Well, I think the sport was the idea that like these were things that you could go off road. You go across the Sahara with it. That was the sport. And, and so like that's maybe the same early thing with these SUVs, bikes. you could do like, yeah, like a early Suzuki Samurai was a pretty good off-road vehicle. Yeah. Also a fucking death trap if you had it on the street. <laughs> and now right. we're like, oh, hey, like these, these like cars that we were like aspirationally built to go like off-road and into the desert and up the mountain and through the river and through the woods are really shitty street cars. So yeah. like, we'll make them better street cars. That's where everyone's using them. And then like SUVs all of a sudden became crossovers. And now we only have like the only body on frame SUV is the the Forerunner now. Forerunner basically is it. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, that sort of happened is is happening. We're watching it happen live right now with motorcycling, where it's like, oh yeah, there is this whole segment, and it's you know the people that are in their 30s to their 60s that want to still have a sporty motorcycle that can go through the corners and carve them out just as anything else can but then also ride them for hours and hours and maybe get off the beaten path and have a good time in it. This is why we're seeing a lot more 19-inch front wheel, you know, adventure, quote-unquote adventure touring bikes that are like my bike, like my Multistrada, that can carve it at any curvy road, but you throw some knobby-ish tires on them and go have fun. Go off the beaten path. Yeah, because that 19-inch wheel is, if you do it right, can be a good street bike mm-hmm. and be a decent off-roader for what you would take a 600-pound 
you know, dirt bike off, right. off into. Um, but it, 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 that's why it's so fascinating. Like, like, like the, the plot chart, like if you were to try to like chart, like the, the on road versus off road versus like the price and performance, uh, on a graph, like it's, it's what, which quadrant do you put the most priority in is going to dictate very much oh, yeah. which motorcycle is the right one for you. And if you zoom out a little bit and look, cause like you can go from like the spectrum really is like hardcore dirt bike and it's like, okay, 250, 350, 450, two stroke, four stroke, like kind of depends on what kind of riding you do. And that's a spectrum in itself. Then that spectrum kind of blurs into, okay, like now you want to do adventure riding. Okay. Well, maybe that is like adventure riding like a, a KTM 690 or a, or a 500 EXC or, or do you want something a little bit more like a Tenere 700 or, or a KTM 790, 890 adventure? Or is that like a, uh, an Africa twin 1100? And then you start looking at, okay, well, now we're getting into like the more true adventure turn. Like, okay, well, maybe that's an R you know, 1250 GS, or maybe that's a KTM 1290, or maybe that's a Ducati Multistrada V4. And then that zooms out a little bit more and you're like, Oh, well maybe that's not really adventure terrain as much as it is adventure sport. And that's, right. that's kind of where the old Multistrada lived. And that's where, you know, some of these 17 inch wheel adventure bikes live because they're really just more like they're just tall upright sport tourers. And then that, that kind of evolves into the sport touring market. Now it becomes a KTM 1290 super Duke GT. Right. And that's, you know, and then that goes into like maybe a <laughs> Ducati super sport 950. And then you zoom out a little bit more and it's like, okay, well now it's like a sport bike. And, and maybe now I make that a Panigale or an RSV four. And then like, and then I'm like, Oh, maybe it's a Kramer. And then like, fuck me, man, that's the whole fucking spectrum of motorcycles right there on this idea of, Adventure, turning. adventure, right? <laughs> adventure. What's the adventure? What's going to get your adventure? your heart racing? And none of those bikes were um, were a KLR six fifty. <laughs> you know why? Why? That's not a motorcycle. This is not a motorcycle. It's a mule with a motor in it. It's a cult. <laughs> it is a cult. I can't believe Kawasaki didn't call that the mule, right? Like it is the quintessential mule. You can take it almost anywhere. It doesn't complain that much. It does the thing. Just, you know, if it if it makes noise that you feed it and give it some water. I don't I I think they missed the boat. Just like Harley's missing the boat with naming that damn thing the dirt glide. I will never call it by its regular name. Um not to segue too hard from you, but one of the things that was on my on my outline. Yeah. <laughs> poorly named Harley Davidson twelve fifty custom. It's coming out in uh two weeks ish, three weeks. Yeah. Is it? July 13th? July 13th. That is, may I say, a damn good looking bike. That's a good look. Listen, not a cruiser guy. No. Not a fan of Harley Davidson. No. I, I would rock this. That's, thing. I'd rock the shit out of that bike. I would rock this very. That is and the it looks first, tiny. It looks like I would look ridiculous on it, but I don't care. That is the first cruiser that Harley Davidson has made where I was like, damn. Right. I like the XR 1200. I get into that flat tracker, street tracker look thing. That That's fine with me. But this is the first cruiser they've built where I'm like, yep. That's what I've been waiting for. I feel like whoever designed the live wire was going after this thing. It was like, this is like a live wire with a motor. Yeah, but it's a real motor. It's a water-cooled V-twin, 150 horsepower. It's, it's a power real on this thing. motor. Like that, like unless they really fuck it up. Like I look at that front wheel, I'm like, man, that's a big front wheel. Hmm? That is not a 120. The front and rear wheel look about the same width. Yeah. This is very much like a, a Scout. Yeah, that is not a 120-70 front wheel. No. But... If, if as long as it handles pretty decent and there's some ground clearance, like that's a bike that could end up in Jensen's garage. Like that's something I would be interested in, in, you know, in having and riding. That gets yeah. me, ex that gets me excited a this little bit. This bike's very pretty. 
I'm, uh, a, I'm a big fan of his design. The first time I saw a little flash of it, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it was on that, uh, it was for me, it was the Pan America mm-hmm. video, mm-hmm. Jason Momoa video. Mm-hmm. And I paused it. I actually literally paused it on my screen, like, what the fuck is that? Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about Jason Momoa? <laughs> are we looking at Jason Momoa's beautiful eyes <laughs> instead of this thing? Man's a haircut. <laughs> Take a shower. Get he's a, he's a yeah, haircut yeah. and a gym membership. Yeah, gym membership. <laughs> he's probably a lovely person. Probably. <laughs> he's probably Maybe. a lovely in person. He's just like, oh, oh man, why are they talking man? Why are they talking so mean about me? I got feelings too. <laughs> good Jason Momoa voice. Oh man, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Can we just Jason, get along? you gotta be on set in 30 minutes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is uh this is the hotness. Big fan of it. Yeah, I mean they did a good job of it. And you sit there and you're like where was this bike 10 years ago? Why did it take until now? One, to make that engine platform. Two, to bring a cruiser like that to market. Why do you have 31 flavors of post-World War II heritage <laughs> cruiser? You're like the Baskin Robbins of World War, <laughs> you know, post-World War II Americana. And you, ha- why can't you produce something like this? Because they can't let Ural take over that segment, man. Gotta, yeah, I guess. Royal Enfield was encroaching on them just a little too much. Um I hope they make this black one with the copper-looking engine covers. That's just a handsome bike. I want to see this in person real bad. Harley, send us one, please. Thank you. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it looks good. I'm excited for this. I want to see the 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 um, the weights. The only thing that like worries me, but like I'm like, eh. cruiser. Yeah, keep it under 600 pounds. I'll be fine. Yeah. I hate just- the headlight though. You don't like the headlight? I mean, I think out of all the headlights they could have picked, that's one of their better ones. But it doesn't like like you notice there's not a lot of like head-on shots of that motorcycle. Right, right. It I almost think looks unfinished. Yeah, like you know what I would do? I'd probably do like one of those little flat number board flat tracker kind of yeah. deals. What's the 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 fat bob or something? Fat bob. It's got that same headlight like the fat yeah. bob. It I works get on it. that bike. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Maybe that's their new design language. I'm not sitting here being like I hate it. That kills it for me, but like this bike is a solid eight, maybe a nine to me. That's pretty high. I'd probably say solid eight. It'd be better. It'd be a nine if they fix the headlight. Well, we'll see July 13th. Well, I don't think they're going to we'll fix have it more, by then. We'll have more clear shots of it. But I mean, I'm intrigued. Okay, Harley, you win this round. Good job. All right. Revolution. I'm into it. Big time. I can't believe Jensen Bueller just gave a Harley like almost a nine. Right. What is happening? I said, I said solid eight. Did the, no, no, you, you, you like stumbled over a nine it. and then, and then you backed it up a little bit. I was verbalizing gave my it just process. The tip. I was verbalizing my process <laughs> and then landed on number. It's like watching the uh, the the Plinko balls and they bounce around. They got it. They're not really in the number until they're in the number. Right, that's right. Oh, nine, nine, nine. Oh, nine, nine, eight. ten, eight, seven, nine, seven, nine, seven, eight, nine, nine, eight, 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 eight. Into the eight. <laughs> in the eight. It's an eight. Solid eight. That's pretty. That's a that's a damn good score. When was the last time you gave any Harley a solid eight? Never. I am. Uh, I don't know. Pan America is not a bad bike. Seven eight, in my book. Seven eight. Still bouncing. Here's the thing. The seven eight. And this is the problem with the Harley with the Pan America, right? So if the twelve fifty GS is well, if the twelve hundred's a, a hundred. Hmm? What did I say the twelve fifty is like a one oh three. Like a one oh three. But I'm probably giving the Pan America like a one oh two okay and i think yeah 102 because the pricing is pretty solid that is yeah they they did surprise us with that Which, was, i'm curious what the pricing on this thing will be the custom and is that all they're going to call it, the 1250 custom that's why i say it's a horrible name 1250 custom you got to give that a real oh, name you, you gotta call that fat boy and fat bob and yeah you gotta at least call it like larry or something yeah you know like 
I'm not going to go into my dealership and be like, I want the 1250 custom. That's like, not I would love for them just all. to drop a bomb and be like, oh, we're going to call this the 1250 dickhead. I'll take the dickhead, thanks. That would actually be kind of cool. What, is, what are you writing? I'm writing a dickhead. I'm a dickhead. What is that? It's evolution of the panhead. It's an, yeah, is it, is it an airhead, panhead? Nope, dickhead. Dickhead. You look on the uh, the, the valve cover, it's a, there's a there's a penis <laughs> scrawled in there. Straight up dick. They're just trolling you. It's, <laughs> That'd be it's amazing. Just, it's just a millennial yeah, just thing. Harley would just have such a power move. Like, yeah, yeah it's called a dickhead. Yeah, it's dickhead. A, you wouldn't understand this millennial <laughs> thing. <laughs> Anyways, the custom. Okay. I mean, if that's what they name it, 1250 well, custom. They've never actually said that's the name. Oh, this is like the the code. That's like the like like this is the twelve fifty custom. They had like Street Fighter for a minute, and that became the Bronx. This is what like kills me at Harley. I'm just like, you guys are like they're the plinko ball, man. They're just bouncing around. They haven't figured out where they're gonna land yet. They just keep pointing and looking at the audience to see if they react. They, huh? I mean, they're huh? like the huh? third or fourth business plan in the last like two years. <laughs> and he's like, where are you gonna? Where's that ball gonna land? Like, I don't know. Like I get like there's a pretty big seismic shift going on internally and like they're they're trying to like right the ship and that takes some bold moves and you got to fail fast and I don't fault them for any of that but from the outside looking in it's plinko balls. Yeah. It's just plinko 1000. I have one problem with Call this. Call it thing. the plinko. 1250 plinko. Plinko. It's not bad. Rolls off the tongue. Who Italian sounding though? Italian? Yeah, plinko? plinko it almost sounds like hey plinko. I get like a German thing but um I, have, I think this bike has one issue. The good news is that it makes about 150 horses. At least that motor does in the other bike. Yeah. So we don't know if they're going to detune this or not. It'll be thereabouts. Sure. Let's call it 100 to 150 horsepower. Don't know if I want that much power with a single disc up front. Yeah. Well, well, that's probably just spike the... <laughs> I got such a visceral response. I'm going to have to like edit that response down. Uh, no, that's fair. That is totally fair. And that's a little, and it doesn't look that big of a disc. No. Maybe that's just because the wheels and the it tires like are so crazy. It looks like a 16-inch wheel, man. It's just not that big of a disc. Yeah, I know, right? It's just, that's fair. And in Harley World, they'll probably, just like on the uh, the Livewire and on the Pan America, they'll just be like, oh, hey, here's some garbage brakes that in our world are performance <laughs> brakes, but in every other market, you would call this bullshit. All right, we're going to keep that solid eight until we see the brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I reserve all judgment. All scores are temporary until July I get 13th. to ride it. July 13th. No, 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 not even 13th. Until I get to ride it. Oh, you get to ride it. Ooh. Yeah. So that'll be I never. would love to see Harley send you one of these things. That would make my day. We should talk. We should talk to someone. I wonder how many Mountain Dews it would take. For you to ride this? Or for them to send it to you? In general. Just, just write just them the, a, the, the collective write them energy. Write them a nice essay. Dear Harley. Dear Harley, you've been shenanigans. Long well, time you know shit talker. Like new 13 writer. years of making <laughs> sales report stories that are not flattering. <laughs> Surprisingly, bit me in the ass. This is Jensen Beeler. I make a lot of very nice pictures that go along with the stories I read. I would just say, if you want better sales report stories, sell more bikes. Do better. Do better with sales. That's how this works. Um, but, 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 I don't know where we are. I don't know where we, where are we on the show? We're like an hour into the show. Are we? Yeah, we are. I've literally run out of almost everything we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, really? Can we talk about how the Super Cub's got a rear seat now? I like it. Can that thing really pull two people? It does in other countries. It can pull. <laughs> this in other countries with a speed limit is 30 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Quasi racist thing that we're probably going to email about. It can pull two Asian people. 
Could it do two America? Could it do you and I? I don't know. That's we're probably way over the gross vehicle weight. Like like an mm. entire Filipino family? Yeah, no problem. That's the thing. Again, you see pictures of it happening all the time, but I feel like the speed limit's literally like thirty, maybe forty kilometers an hour. Kilometers, yeah. not miles, kilometers. Kilometers. Um, you know, it, it's the reason I say this and I make that joke is it's a it's a funny thing in the sense that when this bike came out in the American and European markets, it did not come with a rear seat because of regulatory somethings but in the asian markets it did because in asia this is a popular you know this is, this is the family vehicle right. this is what you haul your kids around i expect and, to go to vietnam your, and visit and be picked up in a taxi cab that is this bike yeah exactly so that that that's kind of like the thing where it's like it was of note when this bike came out that it didn't have a rear seat for the western markets and now that's why this is kind of a thing now that at least for the European market, it does. And we'll have to kind of wait and see for the American market. Uh, American Honda hasn't confirmed or denied that it will come to the U.S. this way. I do know that there is some regulatory stuff that comes with this. And that's that seat is basically supported by the rear fender. Oh, so definitely not you or I sitting back there. I was going to say, like, you and I sitting on the back. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Maybe brappy little sister. Maybe brappy little little stepsister. And the uh, the foot pegs go on the swing arm, which is super weird. Oh, so they go up and down. Yeah, they go up it? and down. Wow. So I mean, there's like like the lawyer and my like my lawyer brain just goes that doesn't sound safe. Hey, your your lawyer brain does not belong where this bike sells the most. No, absolutely not. Because I'm sure you've seen. Have you have you been to Vietnam or anything like that? Like, like anything like that? What do you mean? What's that phrase? Like, like mean? any of like, the you know, like any, anywhere like 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 a city <laughs> like Vietnam, uh, like uh, anywhere in Vietnam or say Italy. Where they just ride and drive at a different level that America. I does. have spent time in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia. Yeah, I don't think yeah. your lawyer mind belongs there. No, I don't think their road rules and your lawyer mind have are in no. the same realm at all. Traffic in in Indonesia and Jakarta is bonkers, bonkers, it's bonkers. By it puts American like Italian standards, it is Milan. bananas. Yeah, I, I did rush hour in Milan on a Vespa, and not even that is that is child's play no. to just regular Saturday traffic in Jakarta. Which Child's is like play. watching a school of fish swim together. It just flows. Yeah. You can't get against it. You just got to do the thing. You got to commit and go. You got to flow like water. Like water. I do like the color. Dark gray. And the the dark gray seats. looks good, right? Yeah. I feel like that's just because it looks good in photos. I don't know if that would actually look good in person. This is sometimes why it's hard to judge a bike by its press photos. Because sometimes like just the composition of the photo. Like that, that photo itself is pleasing it is, nice. the composition of the yep. gray and the red is pleasing the white background does Very it look nice. good and does it look good like that in person though i don't know the super gub jensen i don't think the thought was let's make it look sexy like let's just make it where we can make a million of these yeah another another 100 million of them right <laughs> they, they've made like what was it 160 100 and i put it in the story i don't have the story up they, they they've sold a boat ton boat ton of these many many the boats last 60 years so many boats it makes 9.7 horsepower that's up from like 9.6 <laughs> i just i they would love a little to extra, see so that's the thing with that it's euro 5 compliant now they found a little bit more power a little bit more torque improved some intake exhaust stuff it's not just you know new colors and seats but i do i do like that new color and i like that seat i do too you one. can't hate on this. I can see people hating on a KLR, yeah. but not this thing. Yeah. This thing's a sweet little machine that is just there to make sure you're okay. It's your friend. 
Um, speaking of your friends, we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the show, but I wanted to get to it. Full fairing version Suzuki SV650. Do you think it should happen? Yes. I do too. Absolutely. Suzuki. If, if Yama made the R7, I still hate calling it that, but if Yama made the R7, <laughs> R7, it'd be silly of Suzuki not to. That's the asterisk with the R7. Every time you have to mention the R7, you have to make a comment about the name. That's right. that's why I feel like you that bike to. is a blunder. You gotta. Oh, the Yamaha R7. Oh, not actual R7, but that's what they called it. Okay, now I can talk about it. I've given you my disclaimer. Just imagine telling your friends, I bought an R7. Holy shit, you got an R7? Well, before you get that excited. Yeah. yeah. It's the R7 with the asterisk on it. Oh, that one. Yeah, I got a zero mile one. Wow, you must have paid a lot. No, not really. About nine grand. Looking cheap. Warranty <laughs> at all. I don't. Can you. Can you. Get a little bit more original. Luke, like, put wings on it. See, that's see. I think that's the, the you know we talked about the Jixer rumor. I think I think that bike will have wings because if the stated purpose or part of the purpose is to go back to World Superbike, World Superbike says you have to have wings on the street bike version to be able to have wings on the racetrack. Okay, and if they're serious about getting on the racetrack, they'll do it. Maybe they make the GSXRs with the wings, and then the SV650 R or whatever they'll call it. Will be the wingless one. Probably that's how you know it's the, which one it is. You don't really need wings at the middleweight twin level. You oh, don't yeah, really no. go fast enough to generate a ton of right. downforce for the braking. Not braking as hard as you are on a leader bike. Um, I mean, it looks cool. I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate on it if it no. showed up. No. But the thing that gets me, and you kind of touched on it already, uh, Suzuki's been in this category for forever. I don't know, like eight Reagan administrations. <laughs> um, was Ronald Reagan around when the SV650 came? I don't know. Maybe uh, that's how old it is. We don't like even know how, how long it's been around. I don't have enough memory to to know because I'm like Dorian I'm, Gray. There's a picture of a young SV650 somewhere. <laughs> <They're> somewhere. <laughs> that's a good, or an old one. <laughs> that's a good Oscar Wilde reference. I hated that book. But that's a good Oscar Wilde <laughs> reference. Too. Oh man, just could not. Anyways, um, the thing that kills me is they've been in this category for so long. Like we said. They are the 100. They have defined this category. You want to be the middleweight twin king, you got to be better than SV650. Mm-hmm. And they're just now maybe teasing, testing the waters, wondering, pondering, could we, should we maybe build a full fairing version of this bike that we've sold a boat ton of? That to me is what kills me the most about Suzuki. I love, I can get behind this whole like, we're going to be the value brand. We're right. going to give you good bikes. Not great. Good bikes though. For great prices the the penny pincher in me loves that but like you have like no risk taking ability whatsoever to be like the full fairing version sv650 that should have been out 10 years ago we shouldn't be looking at yamaha with the r7 like they're a bunch of geniuses because they put a fairing on mt07 suzuki should have already been there yeah um i think they probably think their sv650s was it because at the time, if you remember, at the time when that bike was out, you people were flocking to the dealerships to buy GSX R six hundreds and R sixes. That bike was kind of a, you know, the the poor man's semi sport bike. I think this is the difference between being, um, I totally blanked on the word, proactive versus reactive. Uh-huh. Suzuki is a reactionary brand, and I think that's what kills me about them or that's what worries me about and that's where if you told me they were going to pull out of the american market tomorrow i'd be like yeah that kind of makes sense okay yeah because it's just like this is a low-hanging fruit on that tree of like being proactive of of taking a of leading the market 
And like they, they couldn't pick that fruit. So they're not going to pick anything higher up the tree for sure. So that's where we just say like, well, what's the new Jixer going to look like? I don't know. Look at everything else that's in the market now. Find the lowest common denominator of what those are. And that'll probably be the Jixer 1000. Now, it'll probably come with a way better price tag. But is it going to have like independent wheelie control, traction control? Maybe. But maybe it's like one level, two levels. Will there be engine braking control? Hmm. Maybe. Probably not, though. We'll have corny and ABS. Yeah, I love corny and ABS. Will you be able to turn off the rear wheel? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That costs more. Hmm. It's a, it's a homologation thing in Europe. Like, you got to pay more. You got to hit certain criteria. Maybe. Yeah, that's the thing with Suzuki, and that's what we've sort of come to expect for the last 10 years. It's tough. Yeah. Again, but that word maybe keeps coming up. Like, maybe they'll change our perception of them. Yeah. Of, I mean, you and I are both mm-hmm. fans of Suzuki of yore, right? The back-in-the-day Suzuki, the 06 GSX-R1000 and the original... OG Suzuki. OG, the, the, yeah. the original, you know, uh, TL1000R and the, the Busa when it came out. Higher motherfucking Busa. Right? So that's mm-hmm. the Suzuki that I love and dream about, not, you know... Not what's going on now, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the new Hayabusa's design language and I, I realize it's basically, you know, version 2.1 of the previous one, but <laughs> it's a much better looking bike. It's a much better, it looks like it's better put together. So I'm curious to see if that's a thing. Maybe they're going to try a little bit uh, with this new upcoming GSX-R1000. They're working on this GSX-1000 touring. Counterpoint to everything we just said. I had this thought right after we recorded I think the last show because mm. we lament the fact that the Hayabusa got like a $4,000 price increase. Right. And when you compare it to the current GSXR 1000, it makes no sense. No. You're like way less performance, way more price tag. I don't understand. I bet when this Jixer comes out, that pricing start making more sense. So right. I bet that Jixer 1000 is an eighteen, nineteen thousand $19,000 bike. I bet you're right. I bet the base model will be like 17. Yeah. And then it'll go up to like, an RR or whatever model mm-hmm. that'll be closer to like the $19,000 price point. And that bike will probably have all the goodies. That'll probably have all the goodies. So that could be, that could be an interesting thing. Maybe there's some hope for the Jixer 1000 yet. Listen, I'm, I'm hoping for that 200 horsepower Jixer 1000 to come out and just start whooping ass. I, I, that used to be, I mean, remember that was the bike that was like the standard for the leader bike. This is the thing you got to be. That was the 100 to me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go back far enough in time, 2006, Jixer 1000, yep. 100, 2008. Absolutely that k5 motor oh what a bike yeah it was powerful it was brutal but it was rideable yeah and it was comfy mm-hmm. yeah um it'd be interesting it'd be interesting time will tell indeed i'll be here to wait i'm curious hmm. when do we find out is there is there an estimated <sighs> date i don't know i i saw a thing today talking about how eichma was on for this year okay and i'm kind of like like live go to eichma like people in eichma which is not crazy november is a long time away that's five months european vaccination rates aren't quite what is going on in america in america we're still kind of struggling on some levels so you're kind of like maybe in five months i don't know i don't know the bigger thing is like some of the industry people i've talked to are like yeah they can talk about eichmann happening all they want but we need to make our plans now on whether or not we're going and the risk is like we can't spend tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that might not happen. Right. 
So, and I think we saw, if anything, during the pandemic, brands are pretty capable of launching motorcycles on their own. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see. That being said, that would be when I would expect to see an announcement of, you know, this new Jixer. Really curious what this next fall will look like for new motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like the 2022 model year is just going to be a blur. We're already seeing bikes coming out now for the 22, 2022 model year. I feel like it's just going to be like every few weeks we'll probably see a bike from some manufacturer <laughs> and that'll probably bleed all the way into just about this time next year. That would be my prediction, especially with supply chain issues. They're very much still alive and well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I got, sir. Cool. Um, I guess we'll just, I guess we'll just end the show. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, we'll, I think we covered everything we, yep. we said we were going to do. Yep. Totally. Covered every topic. Yep. You and I had a great conversation. I think so. As um, usual. Yeah. I think we hit think, all the points that we were going to cover. No need to bring in Corey West. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Probably next we, show. We talked about the bagger league. Probably next show. Probably fine. Probably said everything. He was just going to say like, yeah, he's going to be like, follow stuff. me on Instagram and hey, I'm Corey West. Look at me. Corey West. I have red hair and I'm cool. I'm a, I'm a ginger. I don't have a soul. <laughs> webraptalk at gmail.com where else can they people follow us instagram at we at brap talk twitter at we talk and the old book of faces brap talk motorcycle podcast and we're on what are we on we're on like spotify apple podcast yeah i, I got a message that facebook's gonna start doing podcasts oh really playing podcasts which just seems like zuckerberg just like throwing things at the just wall and being like taking Mar! over everything Facebook sex club, Facebook cooking show. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that has been pitched in the boardroom. Probably. That's like their dating app. They had a dating app. Forgot about that. I tried it out. It was not good. What if we do? Ooh, what if we do an asphalt and rubber dating app? Motorcycle where motorcyclists meet. Oh, <gasps> Jensen. This is like uh, this is like a farmers only kind of pitch. Yeah. They motorcyclists only. They have like a motorcycle only one. What? Yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's like very, it's very Harley Davidson. It's very cruiser. <laughs> no, 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 focused. this is fully inclusive. I want What's everyone to be involved. Hold on, let me Google this. Motorcycle owner dating app. What's it called? What's it called? Dating singles and motorcycling. Uh, Bikers dot dating biker planet. Uh, uh, Twenty twenty one top five biker dating site reviews. Is that? really there's that many of them well it's from the website called top biker dating sites so i don't know feels like it's all made up feels like an seo play to me yeah i think it is too oh yeah there's definitely one i can't remember what it's called like leather leather only leather up (laughs) it's some sort of like uh jensen i don't think that's dating the venn diagram of names for harley davidson owner dating sites (laughs) and bdsm matchmaking sites there's that there's a lot of overlap there uh welcome to leatherglide.com yeah leather and whip.com <laughs> dirt glide oh, easy what do you go, write easy dickhead go, easy rider yeah dickhead dickheadriders.com <laughs> dickheadriders.com oh dang it that's probably its own website that's anyways. probably that's its own little that's like definitely its own website. midget fetish Dude, thing we should all right uh write to us on at we wrap <laughs> Don't give them the email. Uh, I don't want to get any feedback for this episode. Or just uh, slide into our DMs uh, at BrabTalk and Instagram. Tell us what you think is a good name for a motorcycle dating app. I think this is a good idea. Ooh. Maybe that's the 
That's the raffle for that tire. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Whoever's gets picked that I'll probably end up buying the damn domain. <laughs> we'll get a, we'll get your, uh, what, what kind you know, of tire is I it? Like, I like the dancing and the gear thing. It's way better. I don't want to deal with judging, <laughs> judging dating apps. Oh my God. How depressing. <laughs> I told a uh, brappy stepsister that she's probably going to have to be a judge in a dance contest. Which is funny because she can't dance to save her life. <laughs> well, you know, she rides motorcycles. That she does. All right, sir. All right. Good talk. Good talk. Safety third. Make good choices. See you out there. Bye. Bye-bye. We crossed far too many boundaries in that show. <laughs>